When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast 2018 edition. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky. Hey, I want to congratulate Dave on winning the Redcast Bowl Pick'em. And uh, no, that's not you, Dave. Uh, that's Dave McGee. Who uh, finished oh. with the uh, the most uh, correct picks? Or that's Bobby's brother, right? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> yeah, uh, Bobby the, the 1997 Husker Media Guide will be in the mail soon, Dave. Congratulations, Dave McGee. Lucky guy. Impressive. I'm also with Mac. Happy 2018, Redcasters! I'm so excited that we are now fully vested in the Big Ten and a fully vested Scott Frost coach. Absolutely. And Boomer. Well, I'm just sitting here trying to avoid the Iran-Iraq lore of uh, college football championship games, and I'm also taking the Henry Kissinger approach and really hoping somehow both can lose. (laughs) Yeah, we're all losers tonight, I suppose, in some ways because of the SEC uh, title game, but um, uh, I'm sure we'll uh, persevere. Uh, Well, guys, uh, we are now into 2018, feeling... Uh, fresh and ready to take on a, a new season of uh, Nebraska football. Uh, a new season in the sense that we have Scott Frost fully on board. Uh, before he joined, though, he uh, led the UCF Knights to a victory in the Peach Bowl versus Auburn. You guys be able to, you guys were able to watch that. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The. Uh... That was a, a great win there, obviously for the for the Knights there, and I we posted some stuff on Twitter uh, the day after, and it was with their defense with Shenander and some of the differences. And yeah, and I think one of the things that we wanted to highlight on that, and, and you can go back to our, our Twitter page. I think we still have it pinned. Is that you know we run the three four under Diaco, they run the three four, and a lot of people just kind of throw it all together and say, hey, it's the same defense. What we saw against Auburn. The, the aggressiveness of that defense, I think that's going to make people excited to see where the black shirts go. I mean, there's been so much focus, rightfully so, on the offense, what uh, Frost is going to bring. But that defense, there was a lot of aggressiveness, and, and that really showed that they won that game because of the defense. Yeah, anybody who was concerned, and, and reasonably so, with UCF's defense under Chenander against Memphis or South Florida had to have a little bit of uh, relief as they actually held their own quite well versus Auburn. Mac, you also saw the game? I love the game. I loved a lot about it. It was uh, it was refreshing to see. And, I mean, obviously, in my mind's eye, they're all wearing, like, white and red in their uniforms. <laughs> and I'm picturing how they're playing. But I am loving how those guys fly around on defense and smack. And, you know, they were definitely smaller than Auburn. Because sometimes it took like three or four of their little BB guys to hit those guys to get them down. But, man, they just kept coming. Bang, bang, bang. They were all willing to hit. And then on the other side of it, 
Um, their offensive line played fantastic. Um, yeah. They gave McKenzie all kinds of time, and then when he needed to make plays with his legs to kind of when the when he wasn't so accurate in the beginning of the game, he was able to do that too. But an underrated performance, I thought, from the offensive line of UCF. I, I'm sure I'm glad we're bringing that whole staff. I mean, I really feel like all phases of that game, they played pretty well. Short of McKenzie coming out just a little slow, they, they, they left points on the board, really. Yeah, he was not sharp in the first half at all. If he was, they would have potentially blown those guys out because he he missed several several throws there that could have at least one in particular that was a clear touchdown. Boomer, what did you think? Ah, uh, yeah, I watched that game. Uh, I was kind of flipping back and forth between that and uh, watching the train wreck that is Michigan football, uh, brought on by Harbaugh. Oh my so God. I was trying to do a little double duty there for the uh, Redcast. Um, but what I what I saw to UCF, I enjoyed. What I really liked was. They had that chance early on in the second half to fold when Auburn scores, you know, off that first drive out of halftime and, you know, gets the ball back right away. And, you know, we've seen Husker teams of many regimes past would have just taken the opportunity there to collapse like, a, you know, a Husker team would. And UCF didn't do that. So I think that, that bodes well for their toughness and what the coach can bring out of players. So I, I liked seeing that. That was my big takeaway. Yeah, that is a really good point. You know, I mean, they there is several opportunities there where they could have been like, okay, that that we proved our point enough. Um, wow, these guys are really good, but it never seemed to even creep in their minds that they couldn't win that game, and that definitely had a different uh, feel than what we saw with Nebraska many times last year. Um, yeah, well, uh, you know, UCF is uh, really uh, really started in the post game with Scott Frost. Say, you know, calling out, you know, saying, hey, we've done everything we possibly can, uh, saying that the committee didn't respect them and really kept them down uh, in, in that poll so they wouldn't have to make a difficult decision. He said that over and over again. He said it on ESPN again. Uh, what do you guys think about UCF? And, and now taking that, that initial stab that Frost volleyed out there at the post-game press conference, and Danny White, their AD, has just run with that, and they have uh, essentially claimed a national title uh, for uh, Central Florida. Honky? Well, well, Dave, uh, you know, as we're talking right now, there's still nine minutes uh, in the Alabama game, uh, Alabama-Georgia uh, game, and, you know, I, I've had to think about this. I'm not an AP voter, and what my, what my thoughts would be here in the the, the coming hours that they'll have to vote. And obviously by the time this goes live, you will all know who the, the national champion is. But but right now I'm trying to go through it in the mindset of as an AP voter, what would I do in the next couple hours? And I'm not an AP voter, but I am a Redcast voter. My Redcast vote goes to UCF. They are the national champ. They uh, they defeat. We could do a Redcast poll right Ooh. now if you want, Honk. You I, know? Would, I would be. We could, uh, well, I'll, I'm, I'll start then. I'll throw it out that I think UCF is, and, and they defeated Auburn, who defeated both of the teams playing in this game tonight. Um, I don't know why Alabama – I believe Alabama is the third-best SEC school. I don't know why they would be in a four-team playoff. So who would so. be your top three? Who's your top three? Let's just do that. Oh, my top three would be UCF. Two would be Georgia, and then uh, – uh, Ohio State. I guess I'd say the Georgia-Alabama winner, since I don't technically know that, but I'm going to guess it's Georgia, and then Ohio State would be number three. All right, Boomer? Uh, I, too, would also vote UCF national champ, and that's not just a Scott Frost thing. Uh, I think you guys all know I've got a long history of supporting the underdog upstarts, getting a shot at these sorts that's of things. True. So I've got the opportunity here to uh, give one the title they richly deserve, so I would definitely go uh, UCF number one. 
Number two, I'd go UCF, and number three, I'd have to pick Oklahoma. So, if we're picking so three, say, say that. Yeah. I'm picking three. Yeah, if we're All picking right. three, yeah. Well, Boomer, did you Mac, say you? Boomer, did you say did UCF, you UCF twice? twice? No, UCF number nice. one. I yeah. like it. You got double. Yeah, votes. they get they get two Smooth votes move. for finishing undefeated. But uh, <laughs> so no, say, say UCF again, number Boomer. one, uh, Georgia two, and Oklahoma three is what I is how okay. I would put my top three. Yeah. All right. All right, Mac. Um. I have a long history of not liking underdogs or upstarts. <laughs> I, I respected everything that UCF did this year, but, I mean, I'm not going to put them number one. So I'll be the descending vote. I, I'll i take the winner of the Alabama-Georgia game. I think it'll be Georgia. Georgia's played pretty good in my mind, I think. That's a fair vote. So then Georgia, then UCF, then I don't care. It doesn't matter after that. You're <laughs> just your top two. <laughs> All right. I'll, 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 I'll make sure that UCF wins our poll by voting them number one. Uh, I'll give uh, Georgia two, Oklahoma three. Um, we'll see where that goes. I guess. Boomer, you should you should tweet but, uh, you should tweet uh, Danny White at UCF and tell him that uh, they've won the uh, they've won the Redcast <laughs> national championship. Redcast um, poll. Um, now uh, the coaches I don't believe are tied to the uh, playoff either, are they? I mean, they likely will just follow it, but I don't think the coaches have to vote the playoff. That I don't know. AP voters Winner sure either. aren't. I, I don't know about yeah. the coaches. You can yeah, look into that. take a look. Yeah. Well, since they won, should we send them some sort of trophy? Maybe? I suppose we a could. Redcast trophy. Yeah. You think yeah. we could get that in the trophy case? I think we could. Yeah, so that'd be sweet. A Redcast trophy. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love it, but what the heck. Hey, he's he's grasping at straws. If he's throwing a parade, you know, I, I bet, I bet yeah. you throw him any kind of trophy. I bet Diaco still I mean, has a civil a lot conflict of... trophy somewhere he's not using. We can probably oh, get right. that and point. scratch that up. And... Wait, wasn't it UCF okay. that they... left it? They could just rebrand that. Yeah. It still might be on the bench someplace. We gift it to you. Melt you that thing down. I don't know. I mean, it's, it is. I mean, there's actually a, one of the most refreshing things I've seen in quite a while from the national media on, on this has been – some acknowledgement of all of these fake national championships that are claimed randomly by by teams, and some of it is just so ridiculous. It's so old, like you're like whatever. But I mean, I saw something where I mean the Auburn website claims 1993 as a national championship team because they went 12 and 0 or 11 and 0 or whatever it was, and they are on probation, so they didn't play in a bowl game, so they just like gave it to themselves somehow. Alabama has examples of this. Uh, I mean, Michigan, I think, is one of the biggest ones. Uh, uh, it just, this is, that's been a phenomenon for uh, over a century, and most modern football um, followers just don't even recognize that that's something that's happened for forever. So, um, yeah. it just, I think it's kind of well, cool that people Dave, learn a little bit of college football history out of this whole scenario. Well, Dave, didn't, I mean, in 83, Nebraska, didn't we win the national title according to, was it like Dallas? Morning News. The Dallas Morning News uh, actually came up uh, to Lincoln uh, sometime in January or February with some sort of trophy and awarded it to Fox uh, Bryant, uh, Don Bryant, during a, a halftime of a Nebraska basketball game. So we should claim the 83 years of yeah. national title here, if, right? If, if we were Michigan, it would be on our west side of our stadium and on the, the north scoreboard on the back side. Yeah. Right? And, Boomer, and you put those up so on your stadium how, and on your how, website. How we present UCF with the, uh, we'll present UCF with that trophy in that same way. We'll get a free trip to Florida, go to a <laughs> yeah, basketball game. Good point. Game. 
There we go. This, this is, is really starting to come together, actually. <laughs> Boomer, <laughs> Boomer yes. do you have a trivia yeah. question on this? Trivia time. Well, I do. I, I was curious about this question, so I did a little digging. Uh, college football has been played since 1869, and I'm asking you guys, how many schools have claimed national championships, and how many total national championships have been claimed? Oh, oh wow. Wow. Yeah, well, it's just pure random guesswork, but I, I was curious. I, I guess so. to start, we'd have to say that there's, so what, there's 159 years of football, I guess? Is that mm-hmm. the right number? 140, yeah, retro- 149. Right. Not counting this year so far. I haven't tallied UCF into there yet. So, like, 148 times two? You want to, On average, two? An average of two over that? You want three, yeah, 300 national championships, basically, almost? That's going to be my guess, 300. I, I like, I I'll like say the 305. reasoning. Mac, what are you saying? 305. <laughs> Is this? I'll, I'll, go, uh, pr- I'll go prices right and say uh, 295. Ooh. <laughs> Very good. Boomer, what do you uh, got? The actual amount is 255 national championships have been claimed over this period. So, nice. uh, out of 50 schools, have so far claimed them. Uh, UCF will add another one to wow. that, so we'll be up to 51 and uh, 256. Plus, whoever wins this travesty of a of a game tonight will tack another one on there. So, so they'll definitely be right. quite a few. Both of the one before. And the amusing thing in all of this, Rutgers only has one claimed national title, and that was in 1869. <laughs> so. Oh, oh, they won the national title. Well, they probably played one game, so you know, in eighteen sixty nine. Do they have that in in the tr- in the uh, in the stadium there? Oh, I don't know. Jersey? Hockey? National yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Actually, that there? Yeah. Okay, I, I do have a good story about that. Um, so we go around, you know, my wife and I uh, on trips, and we go to to stadiums because I love her, and we go to the Rutgers one, and it's the birthplace <laughs> of college football, and we're walking around the stadium. I go up to a to a, a maintenance guy. I'm like, hey, can I go in there? I'm, I'm a Husker fan. just want to take a photo. And he looks at me like I'm from another planet. Like no one's ever asked him, can they get into the Rutgers Stadium? <laughs> so he says, look over there at the fence and see the, the chain on it. It looks like it's locked. It's not. Just open the fence up and when you're done. Make it look like it's locked again. So that, that's how Rutgers, <laughs> that's the, the Rutgers uh, security. No one ever checks. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever checks. That's hilarious. We don't encourage anyone to break into the Rutgers Stadium here. So any of our listeners, no, please, please no, don't no, no, no. I mean, high, high not, nothing that hockey like says here is ever true. So no. <laughs> people kept breaking in and leaving playbooks for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's great stuff. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, like, I was reading something where, like, Minnesota just a few years ago decided to claim the 1904 championship, uh, just like they hadn't claimed it in forever. And something they're like, yep, we're, we're going to claim 1904. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, yeah, well, stuff and, like that all over and the what, place. And so. what UCF is doing right now might start a little bit of a trend with some of the group of five schools. Tulane just recently. Yeah. I think they they said that they're going to like claim their ninety eight or ninety nine year that one of those years they, they went, went thirteen and zero and twelve and zero whatever it was and so well I mean you, you think about it uh, you know I, the the Power Five have actually made it more difficult for a upstart to win a national championship right I mean leading up to the playoff we had uh, several years there with TCU Boise State Utah. Uh, having these undefeated seasons and getting very close uh, to being in the top two, but not quite. 
and then you expand to a four-team playoff, you're like, well, you're going to maybe open it up for that opportunity. But now it seems like the committee actually discredits those guys even more, right? TCU finished third or fourth in the country going undefeated in 2010. And now UCF with a similar scenario uh, doesn't even sniff the, the top 10. Mm-hmm. If, if BYU in 1984 had this scenario, they would – BYU claims the 1984 national title because they, it was a unanimous choice. Uh, their best one was beating Michigan in the Holiday Bowl, that, who was a 6-5 and five Michigan team, um, only because they were the last team standing, right? So, I mean, it's now harder for these group yeah. of five schools to actually do it. So why yeah, not? Yeah, well, right? you know, and to Frost's point, you know, he, he's been on ESPN a couple times, and he talked about how you like to see the playoff go to eight. And I don't disagree, but if you're going to go and vote UCF 12th anyways, then, you know, an eight-team playoff doesn't do any better for them either. You know, that's no, that, they wouldn't have got I, any. I think this committee would have, if it would have been eight, they would have made sure they were ninth. If it, if there was a sixteen-team one, they would have made sure they were seventeenth. Darn near the way. No, that I they think were they would have put them in an eight. I mean, at that point, it wouldn't have mattered. At that point, it had been thin enough. They were like, "Whoa, we can play these guys." I really think at eight, they well, would have been in no problem. Undefeated, sure, they'll make that. Well, but even right there, think of what, think of what that says though. Is that if it's a four-team one, they'll put them at twelfth. If it's eight-team. Okay, well then we'll we'll make a mate. Well, are you really ranking oh, no, teams it's definitely, where you where yeah, you it's feel they're it's best? Definitely gaming, for sure. It was it, yeah. it wasn't fair, but it's well. What what? Here's the thing: we I'm would not gonna, care if Scott Frost wasn't their coach. I'd care. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Not, well, Boomer would care. Boomer would care because you were correct. But Mac, I didn't I care when Boise care. State. <laughs> but when, when it was going with Boise State, I'm like, Meh, whatever, Boise State. You're not a power. I don't I mean, care. It, 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 a little bit of a perfect storm here in the sense that the fourth team in the playoff this year was a bit controversial, right? Correct. I mean, it was between Alabama and Ohio State. It wasn't clear-cut. Neither one of them really deserved it. If You could have had a three-team playoff this year. People would have been like, yeah, those are the three teams that deserve to be there. Um, and so it, that would have could have been a recipe for saying, you know, a, a group of five school uh, deserves that fourth, mm-hmm. fourth spot, right? And they never even got even close to being in the conversation nationally. Uh, to make a case for it. And I think that's what Scott Frost was saying. Right. He's like, why did we keep us so far away that we couldn't even have been in the conversation for that fourth spot when the fourth spot clearly w- wasn't a clear cut between anyone yeah, it, there? It wasn't like, yeah, we, we it wasn't splitting hairs. They were they were making assumptions on some teams. And and I, I think it proved kind of like what he said. If, if they couldn't get in this year to the playoffs, then there's no way a, a group of five teams going to get in the playoffs with the, with the four-team format. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you would have to have a perfect storm where a couple of years ago uh, Houston had beat Oklahoma non-conference, uh, had uh, beat Louisville, I think, yep. as well, right? Uh, but they lost one game, and that kept them mm-hmm. from even getting close at the end of the year. Uh, but if they could have been undefeated, they would have had a pretty strong case non-conference-wise mm-hmm. to to make the bid. Um yeah, honestly, I mean, yeah, they actually I don't think they would have this year. I mean, they were keeping them out. I mean, towards I mean, even at the end of the season, they had three loss Auburn ranked ahead of UCF in the playoffs. Uh, it's it, you know, it yeah, doesn't matter what Auburn they now. did. You could add any number of teams with <laughs> multiple losses ahead of Central Florida. They they were going to do that. They were going to make sure that happens. I don't think there's any perfect storm that could exist outside of UCF magically mean, joining a major conference, which we all know isn't going to happen either. So You mean three three lost Mississippi well, State? Well, them too, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's all these teams. That were, where they just came off of like a nine-point win over Massachusetts. Yeah. So and I think even the, the final week they jumped, it was either Washington or Washington State ahead of UCF, and they didn't even play that week. Yeah. It was the most bizarre just justifications yep, right. to find teams to stuff ahead of them. They were going to make sure it happened, and that's what they did. Yep. So, 
Yeah. Bless yeah. her heart. Yeah. Because had I, they not done any of that stuff, who knows if Frost wouldn't have came. I mean, let's face it. If those boys get in the playoffs, that's a problem for Husker football. So, as a Husker fan, pretty happy. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's all, all mute. It's, it's, it didn't happen, and uh, Scott Frost is now in, in Lincoln. But uh, I think the the conversation about expanding the playoff and how you treat the group of five is going to going to change a bit because of this conversation sure. and if it happens again right you know this didn't didn't really uh, get to this degree the last three years because there wasn't a undefeated group of five out there and so. i think there's, there's a i i would be very interested to see a group of five team get in the playoff especially in 18 format that would that'd be a that'd be kind of fun to see just you know kind of a put up or shut up you know do we have to listen to these guys anymore or, or you know or can they play with yeah. them and i think fraud i mean the way they handled auburn would indicate to me that those boys can play a little football, and I've heard this. Yeah, I've cool. heard these announcers talking about, yeah, but the turnaround next week, they just won't have the bodies to stand up. It's just ridiculous how many excuses the ESPN talking heads try to make for why UCF couldn't have played. The same guys would have told you they have no business playing with Auburn. They can't beat those guys, and it, it yeah, just—it was just exactly ridiculous right. how it doesn't really matter what UCF does. They're gonna yeah, Paul Feinbaum yeah. was certain that Auburn would wipe the yeah, floor with just, them, right? I mean, and he would say the same thing. Oh, Alabama or Georgia would crush these guys. Um, but I mean, if you watch these games right now, just from an icon uh, eye test, I, I don't know how you don't think UCF at least would have been competitive. But yep. whatever, you know. All right, guys. Well, I think this is that's good talk. Good talk. Uh, we're not going to be talking about UCF much longer though, because <laughs> we're going to turn the page to 2018. Scarlet colored glasses. And now on the Go Big Redcast, we will be uh, putting on our scarlet colored glasses, talking all things uh, Husker football. Um, Scott Frost turning the page on his UCF uh, era and uh, is now a full-time Husker coach. Uh, met with the players, I believe, on Sunday night, uh, and uh, are, are ready to kickstart kickstart uh, off-season conditioning. Honky, uh, how do you think the kind of uh, environment there in, in uh, Memorial Stadium is changing uh, right now over these first couple of weeks of uh, Frost's tenure? Uh, well, as uh, offense coordinator Troy Walters tweeted out, on Sunday, uh, hashtag trust the process. And I think that's the, the whole purpose of where they're at right now is it's this is the beginning of the process. This is the off season. It starts now. Start creating the culture. Start creating the work ethic. Everything that's going to take this team to, to, to be a, a championship caliber, you know, title competing type of team, it starts now. And uh, and that starts in the weight room. I believe they, they will start – uh, from what I was hearing, they will start on, on Monday of next week. And my understanding is they start at 5.30 in the morning lifting. And so I, I love it. I mean, they're just they're is introducing. Is that earlier than uh, Riley's lifting sessions, I presume? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think Riley's were noon to 12.05 with a coffee break in the middle. So <laughs> this is <laughs> – this is uh, they're, they're going to work. Well, they're he had to work stay hard. regular. Yeah. <laughs> it's important but, at that age to make sure that your bowels are moving. but it's it's about that getting that culture created and i'm very pleased that you know for the most part uh since we've last talked i mean really only lee and gates that we know of have have left early to go right to go pro 
Morgan came back, but there were other guys that people were concerned about. You know, will Guy Thomas leave? Well, he's coming back. And at the very least, all I want is I want guys to make it through this semester, go through a spring ball, and at the end of the semester, if, if guys figure out this isn't for them or or they're not willing to put in the effort or whatever it is, by all means, move on then. But but uh, I think we're going to have a pretty full uh, full roster when we're heading to that coaches clinic in spring to watch these guys uh, practice. Yeah, surely there's going to be some attrition. I, I think I read somewhere, it was the Journal Star said there's like 77 uh, players on scholarship right now. Uh, so it's starting to leave a little extra room in a, the signing class where it can get into the low 20s, it sounds like, kind of depending on what they expect uh, attrition looks like here in the next few months. But yep. hopefully they keep uh, many of these guys uh, for, through spring ball as you can before they make some uh, decisions on, on their futures. Um yeah, Mac, what are you most looking forward to here uh, before spring ball kicks off um, from Frost and company? I'm, I'm interested to see how they finish off this recruiting class. I, I've loved how they've been so aggressive on the uh, on the JUCO trail and getting those guys in here, really going for some impact players. Um, I'm curious to see, you know, I, I know, I know there's going to be a transition in a period of time where these guys are going to have to adjust to this new coaching staff, but I really feel like we might have some guys on this team that are really hungry for that kind of molding and that kind of coaching. So who knows how good of a, a team we might actually have that's been hibernating here for the last two years. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I, that, that is my main point. thing. I'm like, I'm excited to see if uh, we can light a fire on some of these, you know, four-star kids that we do have on our roster, um, you know, Though and, and like like Matt was saying or Honk was saying before, like getting getting Stanley Morgan back, that was probably our number one recruiting effort this year so far. Sure, getting a guy like that to come on because he's a leader too. You know, he's an established player. So there, I, I can't point to one thing I, I feel like this new staff has had a misstep with, which is fantastic. Um, right. I, gosh, it's exciting, guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I just well, I had to pinch myself. And, and I like what they're doing in spring in terms of building up the, the, the spring roster through JUCOs that can be here on campus already, even even true freshmen like uh, like Martinez. I mean, we had a Twitter poll a couple weeks ago. We didn't have a chance to talk about it since we haven't done a show for a couple weeks. But yeah. our, our, our biggest poll, <laughs> giggity, um, <laughs> we had 1,300 votes on this or 1,298. But anyways, uh, who was you know who's going to be the starting quarterback? And that was with the updated uh, Lee being gone and, and uh, Martinez officially signing. And Jebbia came in 49%, number one, Jebbia. Martinez, so the true freshman, the, the addition to the roster in spring, uh, he'll he's at 35%. And then, Mac, you and I talked about this a little bit offline, but POB, 15%, and then uh, other or grad transfer, just 1%. And really, when people are talking about that, I mean, unless there's some – strange last second juco or a yeah, joe burrow grad transfer there i don't really have a name to to match that one percent sure, sure. but pob at 15 percent, the one guy who actually has at least playing you know uh experience that yeah. seems low to me I, I just feel like people aren't giving him maybe the do that sure that, that I, I mean as we're recording this we're watching the the national championship game and, and two true freshmen are playing so uh you can't count uh, adrian martinez out uh by any means uh, nor should you just go ahead and, and crown him starting quarterback. I think P.O.B. or Jebbia could uh, be a, a good fit or good enough of a fit to let Martinez uh, sit for at least a, a year. Uh, to your point with, with P.O.B., I mean, uh, from their high school 
uh, stats. I mean, he ran quite a bit, actually, right? And I mean, he's more physical and, and whatnot. He's not going to be as explosive as somebody as Martinez, but definitely could be serviceable in the run game. So I think POB's got a great shot. Um, yeah. He might be a perfect body type for this offense in the Big Ten as well. I mean, because he is a yeah. bigger body. Uh, you know, Mackenzie Milton's a good runner, but if you watch them, it's a part of their game. It's not a featured part of their game. It's like that's the jab they hit you with, you know, to kind of break your back. But it's not a, a huge, like, 12, 15 carries a game type deal. And I think Patrick, bowl. you know, P.O.B. could do that. Plus, you know, his his stats in college, or college, excuse me, in high school were off the charts. His, I mean, he's kind of built to play in this offense to some, to some extent. Now, he's not explosive – you know, or fleet of foot, but he's not, he's not a stump either. I, I just, I'm just surprised and it could just be shiny new thing. Uh, I you think know, it is, but that, yeah. that he got so few votes on that. I, I think, I don't know. I'm excited for spring ball. He'll be fun to watch. Could be the best coaches clinic of all time. <laughs> it, it sure could be. It could be the, the, the first sellout spring game and probably one of the more interesting QB battles. You know, Honk, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit um, uh, over the, the break in the fact that even if Adrian Martinez comes out, guns are blazing and looks great, this coaching staff likely, is, I would think personally, would be pretty conservative on anointing him uh, anything to be a starter because you want P.O.B. and Jebbia in this program as long as possible uh, just because that QB room is so, so barren right now. Uh, you would rather have those guys uh, start this year or at least start the year as a starting quarterback and let that QB competition you know, run as long as it needs to be because if if you lose one of those guys, now you're down to just Martinez and, and whoever's Correct. left, right? And that's, I, that's not good. I, I don't think you ever have to be in too big of a rush here with things, and you don't want to you know rush people off either. And uh, Actually, um, you were mentioning, Dave, that we're watching the Alabama-Georgia game, and the field goal looks like it's going to happen here in just a second. Oh. <laughs> and, oh, good. He, you're listening to the Redcast live. What happened? I missed it. You're listening to the Redcast as we're cheering Alabama's missed, missed field goal there. We're not rooting for Georgia here at all. No, no, no we're not. Anywho, let's go back to your question, though, Dave, about – but you don't want to you don't want to rush off POB or Jebbia. And think about this a couple years ago with with Riley. Riley made a point to say you know he wanted to keep the the quarterback room small. And what did he do going into that season two years ago with like AJ Bush? They he basically pushed weight. the kid out. <laughs> kind of like oh, you know we don't need you. He, he moves on to Tyra Western. Well, he'd have been real nice after after Armstrong got hurt. It would have been nice to have a guy like Bush around, right? Yeah, absolutely. you know. And so to your point, Dave. I don't think that that frost at the end of the the, the spring semester is just going to say, okay, well, player X X Y or Z is is the starter. I think this that competition will go into the fall, and that's one way of keeping those three guys around. Unless one of the three just absolutely just feels like they are light years away from playing, or this isn't the right scheme for them, there's not necessarily a reason that someone has to transfer after this semester either. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, I think they both would. Um, have have enough time to still. I mean, if they do want to transfer at some point, it's not like they're too late in their career or anything like that. So um, I think uh, it'd be wise for for both uh, Tristan and and Patrick O'Brien to 
to see this all the way through. And I, I really do think that I, I, if I was putting money on it, just like this poll, I would I would take one of those two over Martinez just because of their experience. Um, and I, I think both of them were, were great guys coming out of high school, and there's no reason why they, they can't run this offense to uh, enough of a degree to to uh, at least play a year or two under Frost. So, yeah. Hey, Dave, uh, I, I have a question yeah. for you guys. Uh, we have Honus as a, as a Juco linebacker. He's here now. Woodward, Woodyard is wide receiver, Juco kid. Bell at running back. So they brought in some guys, obviously, here in spring. What is maybe a position or two? Let's start on offense, but what's a position you feel like we, we are lacking right now that if, if you wished we could have had one more guy, a Juco guy, somebody that is an immediate guy that can be competing for that starting position, not just a true freshman kind of kid that's going to be more yeah, of a – Yeah, I guess this – I would take the secondary, probably your cornerback. Well, well start start with offense. Factor. Start with offense. Oh, I'm Dave. sorry. I so, didn't know offensive. Yeah, you start. You start, Dave. Uh, and and this is on top of who we already have. Yeah, if you could just magically produce one player, and it would be somebody that would be on the team right now in spring ball competing. What position are you kind of wishing that we we had that one guy at? It's a great question. Uh, I I'd probably take offensive line like a tackle. Um, yeah, that so we could plug in and actually start right away and feel like it's really shore up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the sexy pick would be to, to take, take another running back. I, I hope Craig Bell is great. I hope if we get another uh, a true freshman running back, we need explosive players back there. That would be the sexy thing to do. But the logical mm-hmm. thing is to shore up your offensive line on the tackle position in particular. Boomer? I've just been fascinated just watching this Alabama kicker. I think he's just going to have to try to find a safe house and lie low for a while here. This is just <laughs> just, just incredible. Can you imagine? Yeah. That escalated Can quickly. Can you imagine? <laughs> he's a dead hey, man. Hey, Byron Bennett knows how it feels. That's, That's right. Goodness, uh... Well, here, we'll, we'll move over to Mac then with that. Mac, who would you who would you take if you for a position on offense right now if you had to if – you, if you felt like Nebraska was lacking one spot? They're lacking one spot on offense? Oh, boy. <clears throat> Just someone on that offensive line, I would really just like to see somebody step up and show they can be a dominant offensive line player. That's really the one thing we haven't seen in how many years here now. We've been promised that, and we had, yeah, we had Nick Gates. We thought we should have had somebody that, you know, NFL talent, and he's going to give it his all trying to do that. And I think that's going to be the, you know, that'll make any team look good, a good offensive line. That's something we've lacked for so long. And it's something we definitely saw at UCF that we're really hoping to, That'll translate over to here. They had great offensive line play in that game. Mac, you yeah. mentioned that UCF looked really good in the line in that bowl game. That's that's really something to look to see what Greg Austin does for us. What's your take on this? For me, it, yeah, it's line as well. I mean, I feel like you could see quarterback, a JUCO quarterback coming in, but I don't feel like that's any more of an advantage unless he was like a superstar than what we might have on the roster right now. The so. Shea Patterson or somebody like that. Right. I mean, been, like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, pretty tickled it. with the running back, I think. Although I do, I agree with you, we needed another one there. I'm glad we've got, we kind of in on some freshmen. You know, running back's a position freshman can come in, but it's nice to have one salty guy back there, especially with Trey Bryant's status kind of being up in the air. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I, I would probably agree with the left tackle. I would say if we had a Juco quarterback, whether it would have been a Terry Wilson kind of guy or the, the Iowa Western kid, it wouldn't be terrible on the roster to have that one extra Juco guy, and especially if at the end of the semester if somebody did leave, just for that, that depth. Um, but um, but and, and one thing you said there, Mac, you talked about UCF and, and the, their, their O-line. That's one of the things that um, 
not to be jumping around here, but like the group of fives, what kept the group of fives from being great for so many years, that a lot of times they'll have like individual good players at, at skill positions, but they can't compete in the lines. And right. on the O-line of Greg Austin coaching those guys, that O-line of UCF held up from play one against Auburn. And then to transition here to defense, that defensive line, which were 300-plus pound guys, and maybe this is kind of our transition into the yeah, black shirts, that those 300-pound guys, that's what the vision of our D-line is going to be moving forward. Um, they had guys from 310 to 330 that were all kind of about 6'2 to 6'4. And when I look at the Davis twins, I see two defensive ends. I look at the nose tackle, and I think I think because of who we have, Stoltenberg maybe isn't the ideal nose tackle for the for the next five six years. But for next year, he'll be one of them. Obviously, um, uh, you know we had the freshman from a year ago, Damian Daniels. Damian Daniels. Daniels, thank you. You know, so he'll be a guy that can go in there and play some nose tackle. What's going to be interesting is what do they do with like the Alex Davis freedom guys? Yeah. Do, do, you know, is it put on another 25 pounds or is it take off 25 pounds and, and start to get into an outside backer kind of role with those guys? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at that UCF line. They did not look like the Nebraska line last year at all. Uh, yeah, they were big boys. They, they, could, they, could, they could physically match up against, against Auburn's offensive line with their, with their D-line, with those three down guys. It's the back eight where UCF was tiny. Like you were mentioning earlier, Dave, yeah. how they kind of looked like they were – Kind of, you know, just little dudes running around and, and making yeah, plays. Yeah, those... Griffin, for example. Yeah. But great open field tacklers, though, right? Oh, I mean, God. And I don't speed, know how you... speed, speed, speed. But those yeah. three that were in the yeah. front, man, those guys were loads. Yep, yep. Matt, I feel like the Davis Twins, the bo- their game is way more of that attacking style anyway. I feel like we've kind of had the reins on those guys for most of their career. I feel like those are the guys you kind of want to let loose. Let them get after it instead of occupying blocks. They're attackers. Yep. They got a sack on the first play of the game. Five sacks in the first half. Three turnovers against Auburn. The way that they played past D where all the – and, again, this is all on our Twitter. We we, we posted about 13, 14 videos. My gosh, th- how many times did they throw quick out passes? And these are the ones that a year ago, Nebraska, when we were defending, we'd have a guy 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. A quick out pass against us was a guaranteed first down. Well, they were making tackles at the line of scrimmage time and time and time again. They were taking yeah. on blocks. So, Absolutely. you know, that's the that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I think makes us excited here. Now we're going to take a break here for a second again because Georgia now looks like they're going to kick a field goal in, in overtime. And, again, this is riveting podcast for you guys who this game is already several days old. But, oh, that's, that's they the just made it. That's the value of the field goal kicker right there. There you go. Rodrigo Blankenship. Look at that. That guy just hit a 50-some yarder. And Fromm had took a really bad yeah, sack a there. Sack that cardinal that sin in, in in overtime to take a sack to create a fifty yard field goal, but their field goal kicker bells them out. So let's see if Alabama can respond. So Boomer, um, yeah, what, what's your take on on the defense? What are we what are you looking for? Just on defense, it's a lot of things like the other two have addressed. You know, there's not any one person I want to see or any one position I'm looking for. Like you guys had mentioned on UCF, uh, McGuire mentioned it earlier when they're they're tackling. Yeah, they're a lot. They maybe have been undersized, but you got a lot of guys going to the ball. They're all there. They're making plays. They're making those tackles. That's one thing. You know, we've been lack. Well, one of many things we've been lacking on defense lately. You know, one guy will whiff. There's nobody else <laughs> around them to even you know oh, come yeah. close to making a play. And oh, it's tackling. yeah, time and yeah. again. Here, you know, even if you're not stopping the guy 100, you're tackling him. You're slowing him down enough for the other two, three guys to get there. 
And that's making that huge difference there. You're not getting those, you know, misses and breakaways for 30, 40 yards, you know, whether you're in Northwestern sure, or Minnesota sure. or whomever. So we, I, I want to get back to that, actually, uh, from the opposite side of the field here in just one second. I, I'll, I'll, uh, on the defensive side, I mentioned cornerback. Um, I think that's really uh, would be a nice place to get some more more depth. Uh, Mac, Honky, what do you think about Will Honus? I'm sure he's coming in here to think he's gonna gonna start, but I mean, Mo Berry of anybody looked pretty good there, mm-hmm. and you still have Young. I mean, do you yep. think that that Honus uh, unseats one of those guys? You know, I with, with recruits oh, incoming Georgia. recruits. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, national That's, champions, oh. Alabama. Isn't that wonderful? Well, anyways, I'm ready to move on to the question. <laughs> I'm, already, I'm on to 2018 now, Dave, since we know who just won this one. So, uh, congratulations, Alabama, I guess. You didn't win your um, division, but you won a national title. Hurrah. Yep. Seems fair. 14-game Four, season. On Everyone the plus side, the to- kicker gets to go home tonight. Which is nice. <laughs> yep. That's right. So, Will Honus, I, I think he'll – I absolutely – Dave, to your question there, I think he'll absolutely compete for a starting spot. Will he unseat someone? Hard to say until he gets in here and even gets a chance to, you know, practice, right? But I think there's going to be really good competition in, in the, the middle because, I mean, there we also have Jefferson's there also coming off of uh, – off of uh, he redshirt last year uh, or at least a redshirt freshman year. And there's still Ferguson, I believe, still somewhere in there. Gifford's and probably going to be an outside guy. Um, again, what do you do with um, with uh, Freedom and, and Alex Davis? That will be interesting to watch. Um, that would be my spot if I had to pick one spot where I wish we had one more guy, just this mythical somebody. It would be I would love to have like a JUCO D end that could come in or outside linebacker stand up outside linebacker rush kind of guy. Now there's this old miss linebacker that they're talking about that could be a transfer. Right. And I don't know where exactly he would fit in if he's an inside or outside guy, but uh, I just, I love the competition. That's all I want right now. Sure. I hear you. Anything else in the defense guys? I got a question on the offense. Uh, a little bit, maybe a little X's and O's for, for hockey and Mac. If you, you know, give me a few seconds to try to describe this. I, I was, you know, watching these bowl games and and you know, listening to a lot of the, a lot of the coach speak and whatnot, and and reading a lot of articles about Frost offense and you know, these spread spread offenses. Uh, you know, they talk about how they want want to make their you know get their playmakers in space, right? And then you know you can can uh, have explosive plays. Uh, but in reality, if you think about the history of college football, Boomer, you can add in on this. I mean, right? I mean, uh, until Newt Rockney finally, you know, really, you know, was a supporter of the forward pass, it was just like our loving guys push up against your loving guys, and whoever's stronger moves the ball, and you score a touchdown. Touchdown. And Newt Rockney was like, let's throw the ball, uh, and suddenly there was space in the equation uh, on the football field. And ever since then, people have been looking to put their best player into space, however it is, right? You could even argue Osborne with the triple option, right? You're trying to get the edge and, and all uh, a play-action pass. You're trying to get people into space and to make plays. Um, and I, I expect we see that with Scott Frost uh, all over the field next year. In Riley's offense, uh, someone like Tejon Lindsay, you would, you would think that they would have plays that would put – Tajon Lindsay in space 
and he would try to do something. But he caught like 12 passes for 76 yards this year, and he couldn't do anything. If, if you put him in, in Frost's offense, we all expect that Scott Frost is going to design plays to put Tyjon Lindsey in space and to make plays. What was wrong with Riley's offense that it just didn't work at all any longer? Is Danny Langsdorf never going to be an offensive coordinator again? Is their scheme broken? What was? Why was it so bad at times? I'm going to let Mac start with this with this answer. <laughs> It's a very good question. Yeah, Why, thank you. you know, because it it wasn't what we expected. We coming into this year, we thought the missing component to their offense was this quarterback. And lo and behold, we have Tanner Lee, and he's the answer to all these riddles. You know, he's the guy who can make this go. Um, and yet, we saw how this year played out. But a lot of that had to do. It's hard to tell because the offensive line play was clearly awful this year. And so once that's bad, it kind of gets hard to establish any kind of rhythm. Uh, but, but that becomes kind of a systemic thing anyway, because it's been bad for years. The only reason we were kind of you know protected from it was because Tommy Armstrong was able to kind of yeah. bail us out by running around a little bit, you know, and and then and then he's gone, and then it's more of a glaring weakness. I mean, I don't know, man. Kavanaugh to me on the offensive side of things was the was the weak spot because I felt like there were times where Danny was calling good plays and we'd either drop it or we I mean there was just a lot of poor execution I don't know that their offense or their scheme didn't work as much as however they were practicing to get good at what they did was not working that none of nobody was getting better at this offense throughout the entire time they were here the offensive line never really played much better the running backs got pretty much stale Tanner Lee played okay but the wide receivers were super inconsistent the whole year. So, I think that's a I, really good point, Mac. I mean, they just never got any better. Yeah, yeah they just um, it's how they're practicing, right? It's it, maybe not the, the the scheme or the plays. It was actually how they were preparing. I, know, I, well, that was always gonna, my frustration with it too, because I always thought, you know, and Honky and I would have arguments about this all the time, and I'd be like, well, if they could just catch it and do what they, you know, are trying to do, if they just got good at what they wanted to do, <laughs> then we'd actually know if this is an offense that's you know worth having or not. But after a while, like it's, that's not even a good argument because it's it's just not working, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. You know, this perfect storm is never going to happen. I, I'm going to just say know. ding, ding, ding. What Max said about about uh, Armstrong two years ago, and and that transition to having Tanner Lee as a as a QB in this, and this is not to throw it on Lee. Lee did as well as Lee could do here. I think. I think Lee could be a pro style QB. I think he can go to the pros. But at, at Nebraska, in the Big Ten, being a pass-first offense, I, I'll already say, just starting with that premise, I think that's already a flaw. But when you take away the mobility of the quarterback, look at Milton in that first half against against UCF, or against Auburn. Milton couldn't hit the, the broadside of a barn, and yet his feet is what kept UCF's offense moving the ball. So there was an option... That, that even when the pass wasn't working, something else could happen. You know, just that dynamic playmaker of a quarterback. We That was not Lee's game. So if, if the pass wasn't working, and so when we have the pick sixes earlier, early in the, in the season, when we have balls bouncing off of Morgan's helmet, when we just have just plays break down, the offensive line breaks down on a play, Lee wasn't going to be someone that could extend a play. And so even you see it a little bit tonight with Georgia and, and, and Alabama, you know, Alabama ended up playing, you know, multiple QBs, and they're both very mobile kind of guys. Um, you know, and uh, Georgia's QB is a very good QB, but 
he's a little more limited in what what he can make a defense have to prepare and stretch stretch the field with. So I just personally think, especially at Nebraska in the Big Ten, that mobile QB, I'm always more excited when I see that. So I'm I'm ecstatic. If nothing else, I'm I'm ecstatic that we're going to that. That creates space because when a quarterback can break out and make one guy make a miss, and now the quarterback's out in the out, out in the you know in the flats, and he can still throw the ball to run pass options, the RPOs. You hear about that all the time. Those are things that. That uh, I, I, that's what I like about what this offense is going to be able to bring. And then you still have to execute. You got to block. You got to catch. You got to run hard. Sure. All that good stuff. I hear you. All right, guys. It, anything else on scarlet colored glasses? I wanted to talk just a little bit about recruiting for a second, and not about sure. individual. I wanted to throw out a premise, and and it's that that kids commit to a coach, not a not a school, because we've heard that forever, haven't we? I mean that that's. Yes, that that was a reason not to. That was a reason not to fire Riley. Don't fire Riley because we're not going to get these kids then. And obviously, yeah. you know, just this last week, and we had a kid like Bookie, Bookie end up um, committing to, went to Oklahoma. And it's yeah. funny because you know, for being committed to a coach, if he was committed to Riley or if he was committed to Dante Williams, well, both of those guys are at Oregon State right now. He could have could have gone not with the ones them. At he, Oregon or Oregon. I'm sorry, not. You're right. You're yeah. right. But he, in the state of Oregon. He could have gone to Oregon State to, to be with, with Riley. He could have gone to Oregon to be with Dante, right? Could have done yeah. could have done either if he wanted to, right? If he was committed to a coach. But well, I don't, what's uh what Dante uh what is Dante coaching there in Oregon? He's coaching Tom? outside linebackers, not uh huh, not corners. That's interesting. interesting, huh? Hmm. Because um, of their tackling prowess that we had in our secondary last year? <laughs> that was Oregon looking for? Is Maybe Dante tackles? Williams is a good recruiter, but not a yeah. great position coach. Well, is that possible, guys? And, and even even in the transition to Frost, we lost, some, we lost some players, which is just natural anyways, but it's amazing that we had a good chunk of guys that were committed to the school. Now some of them were kind of 500-mile radius kids, but, yep. but they were committed to the school, and they, they – they withstood the, the the coaching change. Think of a guy, think of the Davis twins. They were recruited by Pelini and stuck yeah. with stuck with Riley from Pelini. Now they've stuck with you know to Frost. I mean, those are guys that are. I'd like to think that the Davis twins, who still have two seasons left, those are guys that are committed to this school. And those are the kind of guys. When I look at who are the leaders, who are going to be the guys that are going to you know be the leaders of this transition for the next year or two, I start pointing at guys like that. And say, okay, those guys are committed to Nebraska, not committed to a specific coach or, you know, sure. an Absolutely. individual. Yep, I hear you. I think it can All go right, either guys. way. You can be you can be committed to a school or committed to a, a coach. It just sort of it, it, each each one's individual. But I agree. correct. I, I I completely yeah. agree. It's the fact that there is both, and it's the Absolutely. people that there are so many people that it was only one option. You know that kids are. These kids today, they're only they're only committed to a coach. Right. BS. Right. Yes, there Absolutely. are kids that are committed to schools, <laughs> and and yeah, I the mean, more I, of those I think kids, Frost is, will be able to put together a a, a class in the twenties. I would guess somewhere in that range, and that's that's about what Riley would have landed. It's going to be different guys. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have one or two less five star or close to five star guys, but overall, it's going to be a, a pretty similar class. And there's some pretty talented guys. Um, that are going to be in, in Lincoln this weekend. Yeah. Well, uh, does Buki so. does Buki come to Nebraska if we never had any changes? Yeah, I don't know. Not about this that, year. Not him. after this year. No way. He, we were the only team he was even kind of considering that had a horrible record. I mean, look at the other hats on the table. Sure. I mean, he wasn't going to come to us. There was just no way after the season we had. 
and I, I don't even really blame him for that. No, I don't. I, I don't, don't like. I don't like all the gaming. I don't like all the I love to be recruited stuff so much. But I don't blame the kid for not coming here after the after the mm-hmm. year we had and and the year that Oklahoma had and you know it makes sense. So best of luck to him. You know I, but absolutely we want guys who want to be here. You know and I'm and I have this feeling that those aren't the kind of guys Frost recruits are those guys who really love being recruited. That's just my take on it so far. We'll see how it goes. And and there's going to be times, you know, there's a few prima donnas you're going to take a chance on. But I feel like like we were starting to see a lot of that Hollywood shine, a lot of that look at me being recruited from the guys that Riley and staff are going for. And I haven't really seen any of that from from the guys that we currently have been recruiting too much. Yeah, I, in, in the, yeah. Am I wrong? Or have you guys? No, seen I think you're right. Of... I don't know of anybody doing a diary right now with, right. with this, you know. So, um, and we had plenty of those uh, under the uh, Riley uh, staff. So, yeah. All right. I'm sure we can uh, talk more about recruiting uh, over the next couple of weeks with uh, some some uh, big recruits in town uh, getting ready for the second uh, national signing day. All right, guys, let's call that uh, Scarlet Colored Glasses. Nebraska ball. All right, boys, next on the Go Big Redcast, uh, let's talk a little basketball with Nebraska ball. Uh, you know, we've been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, while we were gone, the Husker uh, men's basketball team, uh, a little shaky, but took care of business against their three overmatched non-conference uh uh, games uh, came back into Big Ten play. Looked great on the road versus Northwestern. Uh, had a tough game over the weekend versus Purdue. Uh, they actually covered. The spread was over 20 points. Uh, so um, it's almost a victory there. Uh, guys, uh, what, what's your take in the last couple weeks in Nebraska basketball? Feeling, feeling optimistic? Boomer? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a cautious optimism, which is probably more credit than I should be giving a Nebraska basketball team given past history. <laughs> but, the, like you said, they did win the three that they should have, the overmatched, you know, whatever opponents we could schedule in, in short It's always notice. tough to play those teams. And we, we had been losing like those in the last few years. So yep. That is a step forward. Northwestern, you know, had been a bugbear. Granted, they were down their, you know, best player, but... You know, a shaky first half, and they came back and looked excellent in that second half in that game. You know, showed a lot of athleticism. Best second half of basketball. Yeah, that's the best I've seen in long, yeah, long basketball in, in a long time. You had multiple people, multiple scoring threats. You had, you know, a lot of people passing balls, making buckets. They looked really good there. Uh, the Purdue game, you know, I didn't expect them to win that, and neither did Vegas, obviously. But it was still, a, <laughs> you know, they covered, but it was still kind of a disappointment just because the opportunity really? was there to pull that upset that they wanted. We, we don't have that big resume win. And, you know, Purdue gave us chances in that. They had very long scoring droughts. We had plenty of shots. In the to, second half. If they if they yeah. could step up and, you know, make some buckets in that second half, there's your chance for a huge upset that would have really been a big resume yeah. builder. Miss, and, yeah, we missed some free throws. Yeah. We had a shot there. We got it down to nine, finally. We got the ball back. Yeah, it's like there was a wall had a at shot about along the... nine or ten points. We just could not get any yep. closer than that. And it was frustrating yep. to watch that, seeing that that game was you know, possibly there for them, and still just haven't taken that next step to win that big game that you know, you'd really like to see on a resume you know, for the postseason. But... Yeah, the resume is not going to necessarily be pretty here. They're going to rely on having a good win-loss record within conference. And that's still possible. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah that's definitely possible when you look at the schedule yeah. coming well, up. Uh, there's a lot of winnable games there. 
Yeah, this this uh, this conference play is front loaded, and we talked at you know coming into the season on paper at the very least, zero and five didn't look like a impossible start to the, to yep, the Big right. Ten, right? And the fact that we're two and two right now, you know, we have a victory on the road. That's the all important thing to try to try to get above five hundred is you got to get a road win or two. Well, we have one of them. We've beaten Minnesota at home. You know, three of our first four games here have been on the road now tomorrow night. And so by the time this goes live, I don't know if we're going to beat the Wisconsin game. But uh, obviously we're looking at that as a – that's a really important game right now. That's a must win, in my opinion, a home game against Wisconsin who's been struggling. So hopefully when this uh, when this is live, we have, we have that victory. Um, but I was really actually – I'll tell you, I, I was enthused with what I saw against Purdue. Purdue is a hard – team to play against there's just not many yes. teams like Purdue and there's a reason they've won 11 straight they're they are a top 10 caliber team right now and um and and it was on the road I thought that we played tough against them like we we never we never went away it, it and 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 we're we're getting tough on defense at times we have to get better defensive rebounding we also had some turnover issues there was that one point where we were Copeland steals the ball, throws a, an easy yeah, you know right, turnover, yeah. and the guy ends up shooting a three. And that, and it, you know, there was moments where just some. You're right, Boomer. We could have probably made that even a little bit closer. But point is, I don't feel like we're athletically outmatched anymore. I feel like we have the length to be able to compete. We have enough multiple guys that are starting to 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 be scorers. And we have enough scorers, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and and a guy that we talked about back in October. We talked about Borchardt at that time and said that this is a guy that has a chance to be a player on the team. Well, now he's a, a scholarship player since the yeah. last time that we did a redcast. He's a scholarship player. He's also someone that's going to, you know, he's going to give us quite a bit of minutes. We, we've got some bigs now on the team. Um, well, we can go about four or five deep with bigs, and that is just something that we couldn't do in the past. And they're different types of players, but, I mean, we can match up to a lot of different types of teams. So I, I'm really pleased with where it's at. Yeah, offensively, this is the most most talented, gifted team we've had uh, under Miles, and that's even the the Petaway uh, year. I mean, that just we have a lot more scores out there, um, guys that can actually make plays by themselves, and that kind of changes the way that Miles is, is coaching this team a little bit too. It feels like he lets them play a little bit more, has more confidence that they can bounce back. Um, so it, it is interesting. They're, they're, it's definitely a different team to watch, a funner team to watch. Um, if anything, and that hopefully that results into some W's coming up here. Um, yeah, I, 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 I am personally optimistic about this team uh, going forward. I, I think they um, have a shot to, to make some noise here in the Big Ten, which is wide open. It just really is. I mean, there's just no one out there after. I mean, you just mentioned Purdue being a top ten team. I was looking at ESPN Power Index. They have Purdue third. That's how, how highly they uh, have uh, Purdue in their rankings. So uh, mm-hmm. to have Michigan State and Purdue out of the way, essentially, um, is, a, is a big difference here going forward. And I think we can play at a pretty level field with anybody else in conference. So we're going to see what, where that takes us. So, hey, Dave, I mean, what do you, what yeah. do you think happens tomorrow night? I'm, I'm asking you because, like I said, by the time this goes live, there's a good shot that that game's already over. So... People are yeah. listening. They're going to already know the results. But I mean, what do you what do you think happens, and what do we need to do tomorrow? What what, what do we have to do to beat a team like Wisconsin? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I, I would think that it'd be really helpful if they came out 
uh, and uh, got on top of them early, took advantage of the crowd. Uh, Wisconsin doesn't have – this is not the typical Wisconsin team we've seen in the past couple of years. Uh, Hap is a, a really good player, but they don't have the same experience or depth. And so if you get on top of these guys and, and give yourself a little bit of a cushion, uh, because we – Inevitably, there will be some sort of scoring drought or whatever, and Wisconsin will make a run. You get, give yourself a little bit of a cushion. Uh, we're a better offensive team than Wisconsin is right now. Wisconsin is, is actually playing better than they have all year, and I still think we can win by, you know, I don't know, 8 to 10 points. Yeah, they just lost to Rutgers. I mean, so they're not the Wisconsin team yeah. that we've seen the last few seasons. Yeah, this is a game. Like you said, Augie, this is a game at home. You've got to win this one if you want to start making that push in conference. And then it just opens up kind of a slate of games that if you're if you're taking that step forward, you have to win those games. You've got Penn State, Illinois, Rutgers, all Big Ten bottom feeders, essentially. It's weird for us to be saying that as a Nebraska ball fan, but yeah. those are the games you got to win. I mean, it's yeah. funny. I, I, I think you, you watch this team play, and I, I just have a sense that James Palmer and Copeland and Anton Gill, they're all from different programs that don't have the stigma of Nebraska – this albatross of we can't win. They don't. I don't. I don't think they think that way at all. They haven't let that seep into their psyche. And uh, maybe I'll be wrong, but I think that's going to make a big difference in these next eight weeks because I think those guys think they should win, and that is a big difference. And we'll, we'll see starting here with Wisconsin tomorrow night. And Jordy will be starting tomorrow night. That was something that uh, uh, Miles made a point. <laughs> Look, I. I, I I like Jordy, and Jordy, I think, is going to be an important part of this team still. I mean, he's struggling right now. There's no doubt he's struggling. But I think that's that's even a credit that, you know, he doesn't – my gosh, a Borshark can come in and give 10, 12 minutes in a game. Uh, against Northwestern, we played 10 guys, and none of them none of them was named McVay. And a year <laughs> ago, McVay was a starter, you know, well into December. I mean, just yep. to show a difference in where we are depth-wise. And, and, and even a kid like McVay. I like McVay. I hope – I, I, in a perfect world, I, I have these visions of there will be some point before the season is over, there will be one game where McVay needs to come in and, and make that shot yeah, or, or yeah. do something. I mean, it's just we have options, we have depth, we have different types of lineups. You know, the, the, the ESPN guy was just gushing over our, our lineup with Roby at, at the five, at the you five, know, yeah. the whole the whole time there. And the point is we just have different types of lineups, different different guys that can come in and, and, and provide the, the points, and that's what I think makes this team different. Because, Boomer, to your to your point, it's easy to be the pessimistic Husker basketball fan. My gosh, we've all been through it. This was a team that was 3-0 and in conference a year ago to start it off, so it's, you know, it's we've been fooled before, but this just feels different to me, I guess. It just, it just feels different. Yeah, the team looks different. I mean, their body language, everything just seems slightly different. So, we'll see. We'll see, guys. Yep. All right, anything else uh, on... Uh, Nebraska ball for this week. All right, I'm looking nope, forward to all, the game. Well, Go ahead, Hunk. Yeah, Hunk. No, I was just saying the the strange Friday night game that we have against uh, Penn State. That's a unique uh, unique time there for a game. There's been Friday, a lot of weird so. Friday night games in the Big Ten this year, so they've been. Yeah. I noticed that this this week we had Friday night games. I kind of actually like that for a TV purpose. I don't know what it is for home crowd or not, but um, I, I feel like uh, there's not a lot on Friday nights at this time of year, sports wise, and uh, the Big Ten could capitalize on that. So I don't know. I'll so, take it. So what what does Mac want to add to uh, to the Nebraska ball talk? Hello, Mac. Mac. 
Mac, where are you at? Oh, Mac. you're sleeping. I'm super oh. excited about the direction of the team. They're showing a lot of good movement out there. Uh, uh, I Mac, mean, we're talking Husker swimming. I don't know what you're... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I look, I look forward to the NIT as much as the next guy, you know, but I just oh. don't know if we're going to make it. Ooh. Saying we don't, man. No, listen. Dance. Uh, I, I've enjoyed watching this play. It's just, you know, we'll see. Yep. Uh, check back next week, man. If we get two more wins, maybe you start to, to yeah. uh, pay attention. As All right, guys, let's uh, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up and uh, get some uh, parting shots if you have them. Uh, I'll start with Honky because he always does. Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to announce uh, my resignation from the uh, Redcast. I, I would like to be maybe the assistant defensive coordinator at LSU. Uh, Dave uh, Randa <laughs> is making $2.5 million a year there. Um, I'll take half of that, be, you know, co-D coordinator, whatever it is. But that's a that's a mighty fine salary to be a coordinator at the college level. I'll just say that. Yeah, I think even at the NFL level, I think that's a well-paid coordinator position. Astounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Boomer? Well, first off, I'd like to congratulate Alabama for winning the uh, Mercedes-Benz College Football Invitational there in Atlanta. So good luck or good job winning that <laughs> tournament. And I'd just like to send yeah. a word of condolence to any uh, Georgia fans that are you know huddled in the darkness with their uh, Atlanta Falcons pennant still after you know another sad, sad collapse in the championship game. That the Atlanta Hawks are a complete dumpster fire in the NBA, so you have no worries at all about them blowing a title this year. So <laughs> good luck to you. <laughs> That's a good point. I'd be tough to be a Georgia fan and an Atlanta Falcons fan. Uh, wow. Uh, Mac, you got anything? No, not really. I can't stand Alabama, and I'm sick of the SEC. You're here. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. That's the truth. All right, guys. Uh, I think we'll get back into regular rotation here. Uh, have a show next week, so looking forward to uh, talking more Husker football, basketball, and everything in between. Uh, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. GBR.